Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are on a path of feminine and masculine reunification. I'm your host, Sarah Poet. Women are healing from outdated paradigms and we are rising, but we're not doing it by fighting or further depleting ourselves anymore. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that unified truth. Here, we remember together through stories, tools, and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. We infuse the sacred with logic, soul with spirit. We heal, embody, and activate a new feminine leadership. Listen, learn more, and work with me at sarahpoet.com. Now, let's begin. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place where you are connecting to the truth of who you are and bringing that through. I am Sarah Poet. I am your host, and it is so good to be here with you. I know I say that every week that it's good to be here with you, but it really, really is. There is this thing called the child is on summer break and we are still in COVID times. And (laughs) that has made it more difficult to record as many episodes this summer. Um, And so major, major shout out to all of the mothers out there who have been juggling all the things, mothering and taking care of self and um, the pandemic and all that that has brought. You know, I know that so many women left the workforce during this time. So many women um, took on primary childcare responsibilities at home. Um, many of us are doing the single parenting and COVID and work. You know, it's, it's, really wild. Uh, I was talking to a dear friend um, just this last week about the realities of working from home and having two small children at home this year. And it's so hard. It's just, there's no way around it. It's so hard. And so much, much love to everyone in your unique circumstances and situations. And I'm there with you, like big solidarity um, here at this time where the feminine is rising and reclaiming. And we know that it's more important than ever to um, know these, these feminine energetics of rest and rejuvenation and coming back into the heart. And meanwhile, the real world has thrown us a massive, massive challenge. And so I just want to say it's both and. I mean, this is the imbalance in the world that is going to allow for us to choose differently and to choose unity consciousness. And it's like I've been saying this week, I've I've done a couple of podcast interviews. If you've been checking those out, um, 
One was on the Another Paradigm podcast and then the Soul Food for Thought podcast. And I think I said it in both of those that the revolution comes exactly through us. Now, maybe revolution isn't the word that I used then or usually use, but the changes, the um, the reunification of feminine and masculine, the um, spiritualization of of life, the advancement of consciousness. I mean, all of these things that we like to think about, it comes by us owning our truth and living this in the moment, regardless of what's going on. And like, we are it, we are the change that we have been waiting for. And you know, often if you've gone through a dark night of the soul, you know this, if you've gone through hardship, you know this, the greatest change does not often come through ease and grace. I mean, may there be more of that, but oftentimes there is immense challenge. And so if you are a woman right now who is forced to deal with, you know, more decisions about where your energy goes and you might be feeling more depletion than ever, meanwhile, you know that rest and you know, restoration and accessing the feminine and balancing it with a healthy masculine, you know that that is your work. You know, it's like, that's where I'm just like solidarity sister, because I know that it's not the easiest thing right now. But I also know with all my heart that these are the times that we came for. And whatever your exact situation and whatever the difficulty, there is a divine alchemy and what you are experiencing that there's, there's this light that wants to shine through. You know, I hate to use the word lesson. Uh, but sometimes that's what it is, you know? So, um, here, for example, um, I'm a single mother in the pandemic. My child is coming into the summer between his sixth and seventh grade year. And I'm kind of crunched for time, not even kind of, I'm crunched for time and getting done all that I want to do. You know, when he's with his dad during the weekends, I'm working all weekend, for example. And so what did I do? I felt this big ping to get a puppy. Well, anyone who wants to relax more <laughs> knows not to get a puppy, right? But I had heard the voice of the divine voice of my soul say last September in 2020, when the puppy comes, just say yes. And so Mother's Day weekend that's what happened. The puppy came. I recognized the puppy because it looked like the puppy that I had 14 years ago. And this little puppy even has a star right on her chest, like this marking of like, hello, I'm, <laughs> I'm the starseed puppy. I'm, I'm a divine messenger. And so I said yes to the puppy, which might, again, seem like crazy making in a time where we're all pinched for, you know, time, resources, all of that. And the gift, the gift in that, the quote unquote lesson in that, that continues to just bless our lives is that this puppy is so happy and 
it really brings this life and livelihood back into um, the home that, you know, if any of you have been in that tween phase, we all once were ourselves, but um, the glorious time of, of a child turning into a teenager and all of the things that happen between parents and children at that time, <laughs> um, this little puppy has brought a um, peace and a life and a happiness into our home. Um, whereas if I just would have been like, how busy am I? You know, do I want to make this decision um, based in terms of like minutes for minutes and and scaled it that way, I it, the equation wouldn't have worked out. It would have been like, no, don't get a puppy, right? But this time, <laughs> this crazy and wild time on earth is full of actual opportunity. That's my point. And so um, the puppy's name is Holiday and Holiday turns six months this week. And we've had her for about three months already, maybe like two and a half months. And it's just been amazing. And so I... I'm just sending so much love to moms, to families um, who have been juggling so much in the pandemic and the, the light wants to shine through. The light is shining through. I know that so many of you are finding that light and um, the truth that's in you about what you want for your life. I mean, I like myself way more with holiday reminding me to be in that joyful essence, right? So there are these little reminders that life is giving us right now to stand in that soul truth of who we are, to really practice the alignment that we came to live. And this is the path forward. This is it. So thank you so much for being here today. I am going to give a talk about boundaries, which is a topic that has really wanted to happen on the podcast for a while. I know that there are so many different ways to talk about boundaries. So I'm going to dive into that in just a moment. But I want to say that if you like topics like this, when you like these episodes where I am teaching, you know, I've been doing this in season three, coming on here and giving more um, of this, you know, within the topic of sacred remembering and soul alchemy and coming into the truth of who we are. I've got a lot of tools to share about that. And I've been sharing some tools and some stories and if you like that, please go to sarahpoet.com and get on my waiting list because out later this summer is going to be a membership site. And I am going to load up this membership site with tools for your sovereign life. So if you are on a sacred remembering path, if you are on a masculine feminine reunification, reclamation path. If you're just on a path to owning your truth, not just, it's everything. If you are on a path to standing in the truth of who you are, um, these tools are all for you. And we're going to have community calls. We're going to have the opportunity for you to um, learn from these videos and all of this information that I'm packing into this membership site. And then we're going to have the community calls where you can ask questions about it, apply it to your life, come together and be in community, like be in community with other women who are choosing awakening, choosing their sovereignty, choosing to live in their truth, uh, choosing to reclaim their lives from patriarchy, from re 
religious oppression. Um, my voice is going super fast because I get really excited about this. So this is what we're doing. This is why I'm here. Um, and there is going to be such an amazing body of work that's being built in this membership site. So for now, go to sarahpoet.com and then be sure to open up the emails and I will be giving you registration information coming up really soon. So let's dive into boundaries. All right. So I want to talk about boundaries differently. Probably no surprise to you that I would talk about a topic that's pretty popular and then talk about it differently, right? So I think, well, I'll just ask you, what do you think of when you think of the word boundaries? And I'll also ask you to think of how you feel the idea or the concept of boundaries in your body. So if I said, you know, it's time to form a boundary or you need a boundary about that, how does that feel in your body? So just take a moment to feel that. And probably what most people discover when they stop to ask themselves that question, how does this feel in my body and what is a boundary? It feels defensive. It feels like you have to set up a wall or a fence or some kind of metaphor like that and keep an energy out of your space, out of your sphere. And I'm, I'd be curious if you felt that or agree with that. And so I think that the way we associate with boundaries and the way that they're commonly talked about is really in this quite defensive sort of, um, nature that I think we need to move past because if we are in that defensive kind of uh, hypervigilant stance, um, you know, we're just, we're reacting to what's going on around us rather than choosing to be um, in our own energetic sovereignty. So that is the topic of today's talk. I'm going to talk about boundaries as clarity, uh, boundaries in relationship, and then energetic sovereignty as the ultimate uh, definition of the boundary. So here we go. Here we go. If there is one word that I would like to make synonymous with boundaries, the word is actually clarity. Okay, so rather than defense, what I want you to begin to think about boundaries as is personal clarity. You're just clear. You're just clear on who you are. Um, you're clear on how you want to feel. You're clear on what energy you're willing to give a situation or give other people. You're clear where that willingness stops. You're just clear. And when you become clear like that, there's no need to defend. There's no need to defend your energy, which is essentially what we're doing. If we're defending a boundary, then we're trying to say, don't take anything else from me or, you know, my resources are limited here. And so, you know, you can't have them, right? Like that's, that's how we often are probably subconsciously associating the need to put up a boundary. Okay. So I'll just say that hardly ever in my life do I say to myself, I need to put up a boundary. More so what I might be saying is I need to communicate my clarity 
with someone else about what I am and I'm not willing to engage with because they seem to not understand or their understanding is different than my understanding. So, you know, when someone's kind of coming into your energetic field, asking you for more than you want to give or, you know, judging or attacking or anything like that, it's, it's really an opportunity for you to say, whoa, what am I okay receiving? What do I want to create with my life? Do I want this kind of interaction there? And then you're going to yourself and developing that clarity rather than needing to defend yourself. So there's a certain fragility in needing to defend the self. And I actually don't say fragility right there in a shaming way. What I'm saying is there's a fragility in the energetic field that probably is the result of a trauma at some point in life, like a trauma that we hold, an energetic that we hold that says you need to defend yourself from XYZ. You need to defend your energy. You need to defend your um, right to be alive. You need to defend your words. You need to, you know, you need to defend. And honestly, for women who are waking up to the truth of who they are on this sacred remembering path and reclaiming the feminine, the one of the first things is going to be that we get naturally a little defensive. And I I think that that's really natural and normal because one of the truths of patriarchy is that our energy really has been kind of taken and depleted. And the feminine energy especially has been, um, you know, it's like the, the norm and the assumption has been, will you just give that away? And so as we are waking up to, well, that doesn't feel good. I don't want to give my feminine energy away. Hell yeah, there's going to be some defensiveness because that would be um, a natural first step. But what I want for you women is to move beyond the defensiveness, cultivating your energetic clarity and your mental clarity actually your emotional clarity also, so that you don't have to defend because defense actually requires more of your energy. You know, if, if you have to hold up a wall of a boundary, just feel that energetically, you, you know, you have to put up a boundary. That's like, that's a lot of force. It's a lot of might. And we don't want to overexert the feminine system that way. And so what we want to do over time is cultivate the clarity so that that wall or that boundary just stands on its own. It just is. It just is. And so you can do that. You can do that like no matter where you are right now, um, we're all on that path. And especially when there's something that catches us off guard, we might default to that defensive boundary. And so right there, we can take a pause and um, collect ourselves so that we can get back to clarity. So just go ahead and ask yourself right now, because I love to give you a little journal prompt or just a self-reflection piece. 
am I orienting my boundaries and the boundary formation through a fear that I'm going to be taken from um, and, and a need to defend? Or am I just clear? Am I just clear? <sighs> you know, I was just this morning, I was at an event and uh, I met a new wonderful woman who said that she worked for, um, she was a, a doctor and she had worked for, you know, the medical establishment um, for many, many years and then realized that she wasn't um, exactly like empowered about the the finances and her energy, right? Like, and she said, I woke up and I was realizing that I had been a pawn to this medical system. And, you know, then the next thing that probably happened, we didn't have a conversation about boundaries, but as I was thinking about this this morning, I was thinking, yeah, she probably began to put up boundaries on her energy. And then she began to make other empowered decisions. Like I'm going to learn all about managing a business and I'm going to start my own. Right. So, you know, I'm thinking when I started the last school that I started and I had already been on this feminine awakening journey. And there was kind of an expectation that if you were on the leadership team, that you would, you know, we all had on call schedules. So once every five weeks, I was on call 24 hours a day all week. But there was also this unspoken expectation that anybody could send any, the whole leadership team, a text at any time of day or night, and that it would be answered right away. And I was watching this happen as the founding team and the founding leadership team uh, members. And I just, I questioned it in a meeting and I said, you know, what are our boundaries about this? Because I have a boundary that if I am with my son in the evening, I do not have my phone notifications on. And I'm assuming that if I'm not on call, I can answer this in the morning. And no one else had those boundaries on the leadership team. I mean, and I was kind of an oddball for establishing some of those energetic boundaries. I think it also probably contributed toward, um, you know, the fallout that came to be, um, which I won't go into, but it was like, you know, who is this woman to assert these energetic boundaries? But for me, it was just clarity. Why in the world would I interrupt what I'm doing when I'm not at work to answer these texts right away? You know, so a lot of hmm, structures in our lives, like family structures or work structures, um, societal structures, especially in this world of like really fast pace and notifications on all things and all devices. There's an expectation that your energy be at the ready and available for everyone else all the time. And that's just not true. I mean, it's just not true at all. And I know that many people listening are in some iteration of that process with work, with identifying, well, what energy am I obligated to give and what energy am I willing to give and what, you know, 
boundaries will I put into place? Now, some of these don't have to be spoken all the time, right? There can be a clarity boundary that's just a clear energetic boundary, which I'm going to talk, speak to in a moment because I have kind of a fun personal example that's going on with that. A not so fun example, but um, <laughs> a personal example that's going on around just like even setting a nonverbal um, clarity boundary. But what's going to happen when you have your clarity about how much time and energy um, that circumstance or person or work situation gets, then you you just decide like, am I going to answer this text right away? So if the culture has an expectation that you answer the work text right away, but your clarity is, I don't have to do that, then you only answer within the hours of like, you know, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. or whatever, you are communicating your clarity because there's nothing on paper saying you have to be on call 24-7 the whole year long. So you are just communicating your clarity by knowing who you are. And I think the more we're taking back the sovereign energetic as women, the more that's just going to happen. You know, you, you are not at the beck and call, um, with your energy and you do not have to go into depletion mode. Hmm. There's a concept. Women do not have to deplete. Others are not obligated. I'm sorry. They're not, um, what's the word entitled to your energy, regardless of like if they pay you or if it's, you know, your partner. And like, no one is entitled to your energy. I would say the exception is the children. We have to give the children the energy, whether or not we're being reciprocated, right? <laughs> but um, we need to cultivate care for self first, which is what I want to talk about next. So how to cultivate the clarity is all of the processes around knowing the self. And this is big S self. Okay. So little s self, I would say is like the ego, the identification. So to go with that work example, if we are identifying with the position, like in my case, oh, I was a school administrator. So little s self would say, okay, that's my identity. Um, that's what I do in the world. That's who I am. And so that little s self might be willing to answer the text messages all the damn time because that's where the identity of the individual is coming from, right? Like I perform, therefore I am. But we are talking about the big S self, the big S self that is connected to your soul, your source of yourself and your own truth. And this is what we're cultivating here in this space. And so that big S self is going to first acknowledge those truths and then learn over time to honor them. So how do you know those truths? Well, you're going to feel them in your system and you, you really know what feels good about, you know, energy expenditure and what doesn't feel good about energy expenditure. You have that information already, whether or not 
you are consciously acknowledging it to yourself. So the big S self knows what feels good. It knows what you want to be engaging in. It knows um, what feels like there's like an amazing return on your time and your energy. And those are the things that we want to be cultivating. I mean, what a novel idea, right? Like do what feels good <laughs> um, and, and be with more of that. And the other thing that I really advise everyone to do, and we're going to be talking about it a lot in all of the tools in the membership site, is to cultivate your own energy field. So yes, you know, cultivating the self, the big S self, it's all the things. It's, you know, being in the physical body in a way that feels good. It's being with the emotions that feel good. It's being um, in the mindset and the thought processes that feel good. And then it's the spiritual relationship. It's like everything we do on a path of awakening and growth and personal development, right? All of that is cultivating the big S self. In addition to that, we have all of the unseen realm and the energetic realm. And I'm bringing this right in here because we can't just talk about, we don't want to talk about defending our energy because that's essentially what we're doing. Um, if, if we're not also talking about cultivating our energy field. So the more we know ourselves and our big S self, the core of self, and the more we cultivate that, the more we are actually building the robustness, or you've heard me use the word, the architecture of who we are. Because the truth is, we all have an energetic structure, a blueprint that's all around our body. It makes up our body. It makes up the field around our body. And we are actually bigger than our body for sure. So we extend energetically beyond our physical body. Okay. Um, and so this is our energetic field. Some people call it an aura. It's a word you may have heard. And it's the light body. It's all of that. And so you're responsible for making sure in my opinion, you are responsible for making sure that this space around your body is also healthy, vibrant, full of the big S self energy, full of light, full of the truth of you and your DNA and your blueprint. And we cultivate that as we cultivate what I call energetic sovereignty. But if you are defending yourself because you live life in an orientation where anything can attack you, guess what? Your auric field, your field around your body, your energetic field is also quite deflated and depleted and it's got kind of holes in it. Like, I'm going to say holes in the armor. So we don't want to just defend ourselves against the world because the world is ultimately not a scary place. But there is a lot of energy flying around in the world that can mess with our energy, to be sure. And so it's really great to also have a clarity in our energetic field. And yes, 
that does serve as a protective layer, but the point is not just protection in a defensive sense. Okay, do the 30 second rewind thing if you need to hear that again. So we're not just holding up the wall. We are cultivating the field that provides the enhanced protection against assaults on our energy. But we're doing that in a positive orientation as we specifically cultivate our energy field. So very simply, what you can do on a daily basis to cultivate the big S self, in addition to all the personal work you're doing, is to declare the sovereignty of your energy field. So I've heard people say like, oh, I have a, an attack or a cord or I need this or I need that. Okay. Yes. Every, every one of us has an energy field and every one of us has some kind of shit in our energy field that's not hours. I want to normalize that. Like there are very few people that are cultivating their energy field such that they don't have something going on. I don't want to scare anyone, but I want to just (laughs) point out that we've probably got way more in that energy field in the modern world, um, especially if we're like going to work or watching TV, or if we don't have these cultivation practices in our energy field, Um, we are carrying a lot of shit that is not ours. It's like foreign. Yes. It's entities. Yes. It's implants and the mental body and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's there. So what you're doing is not defending yourself against those things because that's a fearful hypervigilance. What you're doing is cultivating the sovereignty and the clarity and the beauty and the divinity of your sovereign source field around your body. I'm kind of diving into the deep end here in the middle of the podcast, but um, great. You know, we all need this. So the, the cultivation of your own energy field is naturally your best defense, but you don't have to be oriented in fear. Okay. So what do you do? What I like to recommend is that you connect specifically with your source. You can call it your I am presence, your essence, and you declare these things out loud. Okay. I and your name, like I, Sarah Poet, am consciously connecting to my source, my essence, my I am presence at this time. I choose to make a conscious choice to connect to the heart of the earth. This is another tool, the heart of the earth, the heart of Sophia Gaia, and the heart of source. So if I'm connecting to my own heart, my own essence, and the heart of Sophia Gaia and the heart of source, I've created a central column, a central pillar. And that is going to be such an amazing foundation of cultivating my own energy field. And I want everyone to hear that. And I'm saying it out loud and I'm recommending that you say all of this out loud. And then you cultivate the the sovereignty within that space and you declare, I am sovereign. I I want, I desire um, a clear energy field. So, there's a lot right there that you know you can work with, you can learn, I can teach you about really cultivating that field further and further and further. But a few key things to remember is connect to the heart of yourself, heart of source, 
part of Gaia, and then declare sovereignty in your field. And just that, if you're connected to your I am essence and essentially the God force energies, and you're not giving your power away to like other energies, other entities, things like that, and you're declaring this is a sovereign space, that actually kicks things out of your field. Because if you've never said that, then you end up holding things that, you know, were just kind of default, like, oh, that, you know, that woman will ride with this energy on her back, right? Because you haven't said, actually, I declare sovereignty. So it's so simple, like the, <laughs> the most impactful energetic tools are so simple because what you're doing is cultivating the own your own love of your own field, your own energetic and your own core self, your own truth. Okay, so this is this is so much of what I teach. I want to talk about relationships a bit more. And obviously there are <laughs> boundary challenges in relationships. Um, recently, I needed to go spend a few days with my grandmother, and I hadn't done that in a while. And you know, the there are so many assumptions of like it's okay for family members to cross my boundaries because I was born into this family, and like, oh, that's just what they do. And there was a part of me because, or the core of me, because you know, I cultivate this sovereignty that when I recognized this energetic that was being projected at me in the form of judgment, I, I was like, no, this, this is just not something that my energy field is going to absorb. And so <laughs> this whole notion that like, you can be walked all over. Um, why, like, why are we doing that? Um, no. And, you know, I, this even happens for sure in like personal relationships or, you know, you're just trying to be nice. You know, it doesn't even have to be like a marriage or something. It could be someone you're just trying to be nice to. So I have another little example about this. This is what I referenced uh, before. Um, <laughs> so I moved to this apartment complex, which I had mixed feelings about because I've never lived in an apartment complex. And I would really prefer to live rather secluded in the woods. <laughs> I would really prefer that. But at this uh, juncture in life, you know, it seems to that there's a different lesson to be learned. So um, here I am in this apartment complex and I get this puppy. And I thought, well, I have to be out, you know, on a piece of land in the middle of nowhere to get a puppy. That's not even true, right? Question that assumption. And so it's actually great to have a puppy here because, um, you know, it gets me out in nature and, um, the puppy finds a lot of joy in going to the little dog park. There's like a little dog park fenced in. There's another little puppy there. So I found myself because it's the only place that she can go off leash right here safely. I found myself spending a lot of time in this dog park and it's hilarious because a huge part of me have resisted this from the beginning. And it was like, I don't want to give my energy in places where it's assumed, right? So I wasn't having very much fun. But um, now with energetic clarity around it and watching the joy of the puppy and just lightening up a little bit, it's fine. But anyway, I tell the story because there is a woman who comes to the dog park. She does not have 
a dog. (laughs) Um, She's elderly and she lives on her own. And she comes into your energy field and she tells you about her and she gossips about other people. And it's, it's quite frankly, a gigantic rift in boundaries. I mean, it's, it's a violation. I, I use that word. Um, energetically, it is a violation. Quite sure she has no idea what my name is, but she will violate my energetic space. And so the first day that I met her, I was very friendly and, you know, of course, talking and and listening to her. But then I recognized, oh my gosh, this is um, going to get quite uh, intense and it's going to like take a lot of energy that I do not consent to giving. So there's that where, you know, consent and energy is very important when you're thinking about boundaries. And so I actually shifted my energy and I limit what I say to her. I limit the amount of space I give her to enter into my energetic space. So for example, if I am turned facing her and I look open, she just comes in. But so when I see her, I actually, I say hello politely, but then I turn my body or I engage in a different conversation so that she knows that my energy is not available to her. And last night I was um, talking with some other women in the dog park because, you know, there's like a dusk dog park social hour <laughs> that I never in my life thought I would be um, doing, but this is what I'm doing with some of my time right now. And so everyone complains about this woman and yet no one sets the boundary of like, this isn't good for me. And so I actually had a conversation about energetic boundaries and energetic, like vampire, vampire, uh, nature in the dog park last night. And, um, you know, just, it's just a no. So, you know, these women, these other women were saying, well, she's an older woman. Um, well, her husband died. Well, she's lonely. So compassionately, yes, there are these reasons why she may want to engage in conversation. But the truth is, is that she is not being respectful of anyone's energy. She's taking energy and no one receiving it feels good. Right. So, Please question, what are you just accommodating based on, you know, either a story that you've told yourself about a person's condition and like you have compassion for it. And so you're willing to feel bad in order for that to, I don't know, you're willing to feel bad um, because they might be having a harder time. I'm not sure. Um, But, you know, you You don't have to feel bad in your energy to have compassion for another person or for them to get their needs met. You just don't. And um, so that that gets rather nuanced. But I wanted to put that real life example in there because it's like these things just happen and they are almost mm, like rolling you over sometimes before you realize that it's got you. (laughs) And so you, you need to be with, well, well, what am I okay with? 
And I want you, you know, I talk a lot about this when I talk about um, my program called Structure and Flow, because Structure and Flow, and you can check that out at sarahpoet.com, but that is all about women's resources of time, energy, attention, um, and wealth or money. Okay. Those are our major forms of like currency and energy, your time, your attention, your life force energy, and your like money or currency. And so no one gets to say that that pool of resources, except your children, I would say, um, that, that, that they are entitled to that pool of resources that you have. So think about that. If you only have so much life force energy, so much time in a day, so much attention, what are you defaulting in the giving away of your energy? What are you allowing someone to take? Like maybe like a vampire or maybe just because like you've told yourself a story about how you cannot be in charge of your energetic resources in that area. So we have different contracts, right? Like I would say, if you're going to a job and you're contracted to be there eight hours a day, then there are certain agreements that you have made for them to get your time and your energy. However, you don't have to give of yourself to the point of depletion And you can work with how much of your personal energy, your life force energy, and your your sense of self, you know, I would say the life force energy is what cultivates that sense of self, cultivates that energy field. And you are not obligated to give that away. Even if there's a contract, you are not obligated to give a part of yourself away or your life force energy away in order to fulfill an agreement. And I would say if you are, and it's a like a deficit agreement, then that's time to change the agreement. That's time to say, this is not working for me. So for example, yesterday, my son and I were in the main area of the of course, this is a very simple example, but we were in the main area of the um, the pool house and we were playing billiards, like pool. And I saw the same woman kind of approaching. And I decided to myself that if she came in and began um, to talk to me, I was simply going to say, my son and I are enjoying a game and I only have one more hour with him before he goes to his dad's house. Would you mind if we finish that in private? And I said that last night and, and it was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you would say that, but it wasn't like a judgment. It was almost like a jealousy, like, wow, uh, you, you'll do that. And yes, I will, because my energy and the clarity that I have about my energy is worth any, you know, social riff or judgment or, or anything like that, but I don't need to defend my energy because I'm only, I'm just clear about what I will and will not give it to. For I'll give another example because it's arising. Um, 
there was a contact on social media. We seem to have a lot in common. Um, he asked me if I would like to get together. I said, yes, we formed a time. And then within 24 hours of our agreed upon meeting, he canceled. And the reason that he canceled was because he needed to put a client, no, because a client had um, now scheduled an appointment at that time. Well, why didn't you have the time blocked off on your calendar? I have made an agreement to exchange my time and energy with you in this exchange. So when he asked me if I would like to reschedule, I actually said no, because in the beginning, he didn't value my time and energy enough to block that and tell the client, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I forgot to block this this um, appointment that I have existing on my calendar. I'll need to reschedule you. That, that wasn't even a consideration. And so if you don't value my time and energy, then you don't get more of my time and energy. Okay. All right. Women, we can do this. We can do this. So I'm going to give you a tool here. And what I want you to pay attention to are the feelings, the feelings of different exchanges and how how you feel in different exchanges. And that is going to be an indicator to you that you need to adjust the energy that you're giving any one exchange if it does not feel good to you. So let's go back to the example of work. Let's say that you're contracted to be at work for eight hours a day, but you do not feel good in that situation. Well, okay. So what can you do? You might want to leave your job. If you don't have a job and you don't have another one lined up, is it going to feel good to not have that income? Okay. No. So you feel, you know, like you might be stuck. So the work doesn't feel good but you don't know how to make it feel better. So I would say, how can you switch your energetic boundary? How can you tweak your energetic boundaries at work so that you feel better at work, even though you're exchanging your time for the resource of money? So can you practice cultivating big S self? Can you practice cultivating, you know, a mindfulness or breath-based practice so that you can use that tool at work and not get so charged? Can you exercise before work, after work, at a lunch break to actually bring your own frequency back up? Can you wear headphones? Can you listen to music? Like, how can you cultivate big S self while being in the agreement that you for now have to be in as a point of exchange? So there is, there is actually, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but emotions can be measured on a scale of frequency. In this moment, I can't remember if it's hertz or megahertz. I'm sorry. Um, But there's actually an emotional frequency scale. And so the, the emotion that you are vibrating at in any given moment or the emotion that you're operating at in any given moment is going to 
obviously feel different, but there's a lot of choice in that. So let's go back to dog park lady. Um, if I allow her into my field and she's berating me for 20 minutes about, you know, things that I have nothing to do with and I'm getting angry, then I might be at something like, you know, a a 100 or 200 on this emotional frequency scale. I might be resenting it, angry about it, you know, wanting to get away and not really knowing how to get away. And so my energy just plummeted because I didn't really have the boundary about, you know, she's vibing in that area and she's kind of bringing me down. Right. And so a lot of the time, if I were being defensive and I needed to put up that boundary, like a wall, like where I started, then it would be like a lot of pushing that energy out. Well, I don't want to feel that frequency. And so I'm going to push that energy out and away from me. Well, I don't want to do that either because that's exhausting too. So I don't want to absorb her energy in this lower frequency. I also don't want to push it because that takes my energy to hold it at bay. So what I'm going to do is put up that no, (laughs) and I'm also going to maintain my emotional energetic frequency that feels good. So let's say I am somewhere around joy because little holiday puppy is having the time of her life and it brings a smile to my face. So I'm resonating somewhere around, I don't know, 500. I'm making this up right now. I'm not looking at a chart. I'm resonating somewhere around 500 and I'm just saying, I'm communicating to the world. This is where I am and I'm going to keep this. So if somebody, and that can also attract others to your field, because if you are like vibing higher, they might say, Ooh, I want some of that. Right. So you might attract someone to your field and they might come up and want to start talking to you. But again, I have cultivated my energetic boundaries, my energetic um, field so that if I am cultivating that resonance of like 500 plus, then someone isn't going to come take that because I'm already like, I am cultivating it. So they can't really like have it. Now we, you know, we get caught off guard. Of course, there are, um, we're always going to get caught off guard or like feel the zing from somebody else's behavior or their energetic and, and things like that. But we go back to the cultivation practices of big S self and of the energy field that is our field and our sovereign reality about how we want to live and cultivate that And then that again is like our best natural defense. So if I'm vibing at 500 and that lady kind of like comes and kind of circles my field and I say, hello, have a good day. And I keep on my other conversation or I go to another area. I'm communicating. No, I'm sorry. You, you don't get my energy, but I, I don't have to put any effort into holding up that wall. So energetic sovereignty, I talk about this word a lot and people are like, what do you mean when you say sovereignty? Energetic sovereignty is where your big S self and your clarity and your actions all align. And it just is. 
Okay. You are just in charge of your own energetic field. There's no need to defend. So I'm starting to conclude here, but I want us to just look at big picture, right? Because I like to go small with the examples, but then I like to go big, big picture. And, you know, the micro and the macro of like, why are we here at this time doing what we're doing? And so our sovereignty was taken away from us, or um, we were told that it wasn't ours in a separation paradigm. Okay, so we're moving from separation paradigm to unity paradigm. And in a separation paradigm where we have, you know, one person's going to have power and another person doesn't have power, in that kind of paradigm, <laughs> you fight for your power if you think that you don't have it. Okay. Um, you know, let's look at this a different way. When I talk about sacred remembering, we're talking about the remembering that the sacred is inside of you. And in a separation paradigm, we actually had churches and religious institutions that said, we have access to the sacred, right? Which is a very, very powerful thing, right? We have that power and access to the sacred, but you, you meager um, human and woman, you do not have access to the sacred. So right there is a stripping of your sovereignty. And if we are told that we are separate from the divine or separate from source or separate from um, you know, ourselves and our sovereignty, then we are always making ourselves more meek and meager and asking permission to have energy back. May I access the sacred? May I, um, you know, work for equal pay instead of being depleted? May I have help? And there's an assumption that, that it's like you, you have to ask in order to be worthy of these things when that's not even true. You are inherently worthy of all of your energy. Think about that. You are inherently worthy of all of your energy and you are inherently worthy of feeling good and feeling connected to the sacred every day. Just feel that for a minute. So remember that any paradigm that asks you to give up your resources and your energy and your essence and relax your boundaries, you know, or emotionally labor for someone else, anything that's asking you to default to that is not a system that is respecting your sovereignty. And there will be countless examples of that in the world because we are shifting out of an old paradigm into a new paradigm. And this is why I'm saying your life and your journey are the change. It is the truth. You are the embodiment of the world that we are moving into. So every time you claim your energetic sovereignty, when those people around you might be like, what are you talking about? How did you do that? Why? Why would you, how could you possibly say no? Well, I don't, I don't choose it. It doesn't feel good in my energy. I live as love, but that does not mean that others are entitled to taking from me. Do you hear that? So look, just look at this in your own life. Where am I agreeing to the deficit of my energy? Again, children is a whole other ballgame, right? We brought them into this world. So um, they get our energy. They get our energy and they are not entitled to replenish us because that um, puts us into a whole 
host of like <laughs> uh, emotional and uh, and mental um, fuckery. <laughs> to be quite honest, if if you are calling on your child to be the one that replenishes you, don't do that. That's uh, that's setting them up for a host of mental disorders later. So, <laughs> um, you know, have fun with your children. Like if you are feeling at a deficit, um, yesterday, for example, I, I knew that I had limited time with my child before he went back to his dad's, um, my energy was low. And so we played games and we watched an episode of Merlin, uh, which we're really enjoying lately. And I love that because I'm all in this rabbit hole of the King energy and and bringing that back. And so we're watching a show about King Arthur and magic and, and choosing to do that with him and like, enjoy some of that downtime with him was a way for me to catch a little bit of that restoration during the day. But like, it's not up to him to not deplete me. It's up to, to me to cultivate my energy to make sure that I'm, you know, eating good foods, getting good sleep, um, taking amazing vitamins and adaptogens and and all of the things, and that I am staying healthy in my energy field so that I can continue to be an amazing parent, you know, an amazing energy healer in inside of client sessions, an amazing coach, and, and so that I can find time to do the things like this and have the focus to bring forward these messages, you know, my energy field is my responsibility. And at this point in time, I do not expect, you know, dog park lady or my grandmother, or like, I don't, I don't really expect anybody else to show me that they respect or value my energy really is up to me to be clear about how I respect my energy. You know, when I work with couples they get access to me to like ask questions. And what I say is I'll answer within 24 hours. And, you know, these are the parameters for the communication. And so I'm not saying you get access to me and I'll give and I'll give and I'll give and I'll give until I'm depleted. I'm saying here are the agreements and conditions of where I will give my energy. And when I have those in place as a business owner, then I am way more replenished and um, happy to give. So if I were depleting myself and not asking for a return on my energy, then that would cultivate resentment and, um, you know, not, not as quality of, uh, service because I would be resentful about my own energy and what I'm giving. And so, you know, that's why when we're entrepreneurs and now I'm kind of like on a little different tangent, but I think it's very applicable to talk about women and money in this way as well. When I charge what is a fair exchange for my time, I'm also I'm, I'm looking at my energy, right? It's an energy exchange and I know what I am putting into the quality of what I am offering. And so there, then my price points are, you know, commendable to that versus when I worked, you know, in salaried positions or I worked for a public charter school, um, I was giving and giving and giving and giving, but the, the exchange, the agreed upon exchange was 
not enough to really compensate and, you know, make me feel replenished. And so we have this so widespread in our culture. You can see, you know, the story of this, this like, oh, I've entered into agreements where I have agreed for my energy to deplete. I have agreed to that. Like sometimes people are trying to take your energy like dog park lady. And sometimes you enter those agreements that where you consent to your own depletion. And I want to see this happen less and less and less with women. And I want to see more and more and more of you cultivating your energetic sovereignty and your big S self-clarity and the truth of who you are so that you don't need to defend your energy. You just need your clarity. And when we're doing that, women, we're really cultivating the sovereignty and we're cultivating a clear and healthy feminine and masculine and, and that inner union, I know that's down the line, but when we are doing that, that is when our energy field becomes robust and people recognize us as a woman who knows and understands the value of our energy. Do you see? So your sovereignty and your truth go hand in hand. Okay, so that turned into a little bit more than just boundaries, but you can see that the conversation about boundaries that's had culturally just doesn't cut it. Okay. It's way bigger than that. So, so much love. Here's to you cultivating that energetic sovereignty this week. Of course, you can always reach out to me at Sarah, um, sarahpoet.com or email Sarah at sarahpoet.com. But I'd prefer that you go through the website. Look at that energetic clarity right there. Go through the website, look at the offers. There is everything from a 75 minute healing session to one-on-one coaching where I hold the container uh, for you for three months. Okay. So those are energetic exchanges that I am here and available for when I can hold that space for you and you are um, ready to say yes. So check that out at sarahpoet.com and I will look forward to hearing from you. And in the meantime, practice, you know, keep cultivating the self and um, declare it, declare it to source, declare it to the universe, God, whatever you call it, declare sovereign energy and declare a clear field and then just keep doing it, keep doing it and keep doing it. And um, we are uh, taking back and standing in the truth of who we are um, more and more and more every day. And absolutely every day counts and every choice counts. So don't stop. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.